Hi, welcome to a very special episode of the Oscar Central podcast. I am with Nicole. How are you, Nicole? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Kenzie and I are both in our Titanic shirts. It's amazing. I, we didn't even like discuss it. We both just showed up Titanic shirts. So we are starting a little series that we're going to break out over four to five episodes. We'll see how it goes because this is a subject we could talk about for literal years. So we are here to start our Titanic series. Yay. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So besides the fact that we just love Titanic, the history, the movie, whatever, we have a few reasons to talk about it. So there's a new um, James Cameron movie coming out, um, the Titanic sequel, The Way of Water. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Avatar sequel, The Way of Water. I wish. <laughs> like, I love that the title could work for both. It really could. You know, like, honestly, I'm not positive. I know we put out a trailer, but James is it Cameron real? might be making a Titanic sequel. You never know. Like, Kate Winslet's back. Like, exactly exactly yeah no leo but kate um leo has a new movie that we were just talking about uh killers of the flower moon and then also this year will be the 25th anniversary of jacob being born um (laughs) (laughs) of titanic itself um that's just so crazy to me that it came out like 25 years ago. So odd. It makes me feel old. It <laughs> makes me feel really old. And it just makes me realize like, cause that was like the end of the nineties. So it's like, it's just wild that we're I like- I still, someone is like 10 years ago and I'm like, yeah, the nineties. Nineties. Like I'm like, why <laughs> 2 k Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so it's just very, it's, it makes me feel old, but I am hoping that means it'll go back into theaters fingers crossed fingers crossed wide release just like can you imagine like James Cameron is number one and two at the box office like that's the way he would want the world to be I've never seen it in theaters and I want to see it in theaters so badly like if they don't do a wide release can Alamo at least like please something Alamo helps out (laughs) please please if you need help with your content before the theater or before screening we got you and I got you like (laughs) I have enough sources to put stuff together. I've got my stack of books from the library Literally. about Titanic. So we're ready That's to amazing. go. <laughs> I just kept ordering them off Amazon and my husband's like, all of our recommended purchases are Titanic. Like, he's I like, every that. time I open the app, it's like, keep browsing. And it's like all Titanic books. I'm like, well, it should be. <laughs> except I keep getting books and I keep ordering used ones and they all have notes in them. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks for that. You're like, okay. <laughs> I wish it said who it was. I would like shout them out. My little fake work cited that I put together. So if you're listening and you want any sources and think I'm lying, hit me up. I'll give you my work cited. It's a Google Doc. Um, I love that. So to kick off, what is your relationship like with the film Titanic? So I remember watching Titanic when I was probably around six. I was only three whenever it came out. So I obviously did not see it in theaters, but my parents did get a babysitter for me so that they could go. But it is one of the first movies I ever remember watching. And I was so obsessed with it. Like looking back, it's like a little concerning. Maybe I remember to the point I had a crush on a boy in my first grade class because his last name was Dawson. 
That's like nothing else you, about him was appealing. You told but... me that. I just pictured a little kid with that same little like almost okay. bowl cut haircut he with like have blondish. Oh my god. He did have blonde hair with the haircut, and his name was Brooks Dawson. And wow. I was like, this is perfect. That um, I was in love with him. Uh, unfortunately, he was not the Jack to my Rose. So, well, maybe fortunately for him, though. Maybe fortunately. Uh, <laughs> since I presume he's still alive. Um, <laughs> but no, like I then obviously became that kid, uh, seeing as the fact that I'm now a historian, I obviously became that Titanic kid who was like, you know, nine years old and like just sitting there, like reading the passenger list. Like uh, I went to the Titanic exhibit whenever it, it was on, which was super cool. But I have loved this film so much my entire life, basically. I genuinely think it's a masterpiece of filmmaking. And I rewatched it for this. Like I finished watching it this morning because I watched it in like two parts. And it is the type of film that I swear to God, every single time I watch it, it gets better. And I've seen it like dozens of times. Do you also but- feel like you find something new with every yes. like and I feel detail? like a new detail or like a new scene that I'm like, oh, wow. Like I in watching it again today, like finishing up, I had kind of forgotten how genuinely frightening and like tense a lot of that like there's, second half of the film is. Yeah, there's like genuine scenes where you're like, this guy has made horror films before because he has like horror elements. <laughs> okay, like the whenever the lights on the ship are starting to go out and they're like flashing and there's the sound of the water. I was like- I am legitimately scared right now, but I, I really that think that- It's the whole thing where you're like at home alone and your house is yes. making noise, but yes. you're in a sinking ship. Yep. Like it's obviously terrifying, but like none of us know that. Like none of us have had that exactly. experience. And I think though, I like watching it this time after having like watched some of the documentaries and stuff and watching, which I highly recommend on Disney Plus, there's a documentary called Titanic 20 Years Later with James Cameron, where he- sort of talks through like things that he has learned since making the film um highly recommended just for the freaking part where they do the lifeboat demonstration where they test out how long it would have taken to launch all of the, Cut the thing yeah I it's so good but also like that literally changed all of my ideas about Titanic and why people died um because I'd always believed the whole you know there were enough lifeboats and it's like okay well there weren't but also there wouldn't have been time there wouldn't have been time to launch yeah. them anyways so like it wouldn't have mattered um, it's the fact that they weren't putting enough people in them uh, in the beginning ones. But but yeah, I, I feel like as a historian, it's such an important piece of media in terms of giving us an idea of the actual tragedy of this having happened and, you know, being able to sort of see it and experience it in this film is so visceral that like whenever you think like, oh, the ship went down and you know, a lot of people died on it. You don't think about like how horrific those deaths would have been. Yeah, so like a lot of people hate this movie because they're like, it's a romance movie. And I'm like, I think it does a good job (laughs) of it like making you realize like these were people on this ship. It wasn't just like a number of people. Like these were people with lives and like rewatching it, there are scenes and I texted you guys, like you in our um, group <laughs> chat, nobody else is here, uh, yeah. <laughs> saying that I, watching it as like a new parent, there are scenes oh, that God. are just horrifying that didn't really register to me before, but it's, I think it's hard because it's a period piece. And then like on top of it, it's like 
they're now these actors or people like Leo and Kate that like are household names. Right. So you can kind of get like caught up in all of it. But it's just like, it's so heart-wrenching that like these were families. Like there's this scene where Rose is in a lifeboat and she's on the boat with um two kids and a mom and they're saying goodbye to the dad and he's like there's a boat for the daddies and I was like I never thought of it like that that like the kids were aware like the the kids weren't aware but the mom was aware that they were probably never gonna see him again and it was I was no okay I was watching it earlier today and all I could think about was the fact that like at a certain point I was kind of like yeah don't you just give up like yeah like when the, I, you know, once the lifeboats are gone and then I was like okay but if I was on this ship with like my little sister like no I wouldn't going yeah like, I'd be like and I chance. think that's like a big part of it is that like the men wanted to see their families again because they're they knew for yeah. the most part some most of them their wives and children got out and they knew yeah. that and I think they were trying to get back to them I it's just really horrifying. And I think this movie actually is discredited for being a romance or whatnot. But I think like creating these fictional characters for us to cling on to helps like signify like these were just like names on a list. Like these were people with like relationships, family, and like say whatever you want about Rose's mom. But like (laughs) her face when they realize like the severity of the situation is- yeah. I think like he did James Cameron say what you want about the script did a great job of like creating this full perspective of every single kind of passenger where you have like Rose's mom who's a snob is like the lifeboats he did according to class like I just think he did like a really great job of giving us various perspectives Mm -hmm. and it creates like a more nuanced viewing experience where I feel like yes, we're following these two characters and it's from Rose's perspective, but I do feel like you get a genuine experience of at least the ship once it's going down, like what everyone's reaction was. And I think, I do think if this movie was even made two years later, we would have lost a lot of that because special effects and whatnot. And I feel like the movie would be completely (laughs) different. But I I just love the way he did it. Yeah, and I think like you were saying, it gets kind of discredited as a romance. And one of the things I noticed in this watch was it is a romance. Like that's obviously there, but as much as it is a romance, it's like an almost an older coming of age story for Mm -hmm. the character of Rose. And it's about her sort of coming into herself and her decision, you know, and her falling in love with Jack is as much about her seizing her own agency as it is about falling in love with this man yeah like because he gives her this idea that there's a different way that she could live and that she doesn't have to live this very boxed in life that she's you know been born into and I think that that is part of why it is so powerful is because there's a lot of layers even to the central love story in addition to the fact that we have like 50,000 other characters that he manages to juggle incredibly well that's like so I always like panic that people if this movie if you're watching this movie like as like a 17 year old 18 year old now I'm always like do they like consider Rose like a girl boss like is that like how they walk away from this movie like they're like wow she's the OG girl boss but I just (laughs) I think this movie does such a great job of that like it it's like you would consider it a romance tragedy disaster Mm -hmm. movie 
but like she really does like come into her own because I think a lot of people forget she's 17 yeah like she's she a baby is a baby and I just think like obviously going through something like this and surviving would be like all you ever spoke about and her granddaughter makes it pretty clear like she never really talked about it and like James Cameron does a great job of showing us all her photos of the life she lives and it is all the things she talks about with Jack and it's just like it's not he did such a great job of like having this like strong like she is a strong female character that like is figuring out how to be a strong female character because this is a time period where women couldn't really be as strong and feisty as she's displayed like I don't think people realize like how out of character that must have been all the things and I think he tries to show us that in terms of like we do have this one other like really strong feisty female character and it's molly brown and we see the way that the other women treat respond to her and how yeah how much of a like outcast she is for that yeah so i think he does a good idea of giving us sort of the stakes of her her becoming like this yeah yeah exactly and like rose um, has like a step down from that because like it's made very clear to us they do not have money and that is why she's in this relationship and but like Molly Brown does have her own money at this point so she can do that but it's just like hard for her in society but I love like I would love more scenes of them together like me too I I truly you know how she like becomes Jack's like wing woman you know like I wish there were scenes of her being like Rose's wing woman like oh my gosh giving her advice and like that'd be so sweet like, I wish, I almost wish that we had a scene of her, like, seeing Rose on the Carpathia afterwards yeah. and, like, a- like acknowledging, acknowledging that she, she gets what she's doing and yeah. she supports it. Like, yeah, she's like, I won't tell yeah. your mom. I won't tell yeah. anyone I saw I'm going to tell you, when I was six and I heard her give her name as Dawson, that was earth shattering for me. It's, like, you know, at the very beginning when um, he's like, I looked her up and Rose Bucator died on the Titanic. And I, he was like, Rose Dawson, an actress. I'm like, put it together, man. Put it together. Yeah, right. <laughs> together. Because it doesn't really click that that's what she did. Because she has, she's married, so she has, like, another name. Right, exactly. But you have no idea. So, like, it all comes full. This whole movie is just payoffs. Like, things happening, being oh my planted God, yeah. early in the movie, and then paying off later. But, like, that one is, like, just, it's just so good. It's it's hard to yeah I think I think it's almost been 25 years and I'm still crying (laughs) this movie I think made us both the people that we are (laughs) it really did I think like if you asked me to make a list of like a movie shaping me yep this this is definitely on there I think it's possible to have been alive in the 90s when this came out and this movie not have shaped you because I think a lot of people in some way a lot of people make per- their personality hating Titanic and it's yep. fine, but like, just move on. It, it's yep. a movie. It's a movie. Just move it's on. A movie. But I also think like James Cameron very, very rarely makes movies now. Like he made Titanic and Avatar and he's been gone since 2009 working on he's Avatar been- too. And going back to the Titanic. And just repeatedly going back <laughs> to the Titanic. 33 trips back to the Titanic. But I do want to say, I have always roasted him. Like, I, he just doesn't work for me. 
I love this movie, but like otherwise, I mean, I love yeah. T2. I love, love T2, but otherwise he's just not, not my filmmaker, but <laughs> I, and I also roasted him for like, we'll get into this when we talk about production, but he yeah. kind of damaged the Titanic and I've always roasted him for that. Like you had to damage the Titanic to make your movie. Also just but, the way that people say that he, you know, treated this cast and crew. Yeah. I mean, I, there's one thing I read about that just like, I have held on to it for years being like, you're a terrible <laughs> person, but he just, he puts so much still into correcting Titanic. Like he is very yeah. open about the fact of things he got wrong in this movie because like David Fincher, obsessed with detail, obsessed with being correct. I understand that. I'm a very like, I have to be right person, but he's very honest about like things he got wrong and watching that documentary, he is obsessed with like figuring out what was right, what was wrong. Like what- he wants to know exactly what occurred. He on Titanic is and so as a historian that to building. Me. He's so close to building a time machine to go back to be there, <laughs> not to stop it, but to like see no, it. I think honestly, he's about to like freaking take the plans for the Titanic and build his own ship and go hit there an is a with billionaire it. in Australia who has built an exact replica of that or maybe James Cameron's not. about to buy it and take yeah, it to an iceberg literally. and hit the iceberg with it and watch it sink I like, just like <laughs> I like one of my favorite things is that clip of him with the models and that documentary like yelling at them like this isn't oh, true God. to scale I'm like bro relax relax uh, okay my other favorite thing of him in that documentary is whenever they're doing the lifeboat demonstration to see like how long it would take to lower one and he's like yeah but they were having to like cut them you know at the end with knives like he's like does anyone want to be the one to cut it no one okay me i'll do it like <laughs> gives no opportunity he's no like, opportunity for it. anyone else to volunteer he's like, like flipping out his knife as he's like anyone want to do it's it it's so like, funny because when <laughs> i was like reading about um robert eggers on the set of the northman i was yeah. like has he contacted James Cameron to like discuss like historical accuracy of the knife that he was using? Like, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I never want to see any of these men in the same room, like ever. <laughs> like all, like David Fincher, Robert Eggers, James Cameron, yes, make movies, but don't interact with each other. Like, I don't want to hear yelling about details. Like, no one cares I, I will but you. Say, no one cares As a historian, you. it does throw me though that like, Someone yeah, and I that think much. Right, literally. And I think it's also like almost cute in a way how like whenever they find something that proves that something that he did is not historically accurate, he's almost like, instead of being maybe upset that like he got it wrong or like, you know, well, whatever it was, you know, necessary for the movie, he's like just so excited to know the truth. Yeah, like he cares <laughs> more about knowing what happened versus like being correct which is funny because his personality is very much like, I'm always right. It's but not what you would also expect from <laughs> like, he just, I think he just really cares because like, yeah. we'll get into why he made this movie, but like- So that he could go to the Titanic. It's literally just so he could go to the Titanic. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I don't know. I love it. I think it's so great. I yeah. can't wait to talk about that. So okay. we were going to do a whole episode that was going to be really long, about the cast and the crew and the production. But I'm assuming we're just gonna get through cast and crew today. Yep, I think so. Yeah. We <laughs> we love this movie too much. Like we gotta spend too much time on it. 
So let's start with the cast, which is obviously now is like legendary, but it was obviously quite traumatic when it was all being cast. So I want to start with Leo because Leo is so funny to me. He's our, he's our, he's our guy, our Jack Dawson, but we almost, okay. So a lot of people have seen the Jeremy Sisto screen test. Yeah. If you haven't, they're on YouTube. They're bad. Like I love, <laughs> I, I love him. I think he's very sexy also, but, and I love him in, um, obviously clueless, but I love him in this movie may I loved him on law and order. Like, I feel like he's actually really great, but those scenes, they just fall flat. Like there's nothing there. Like it's, yeah bad like bad (laughs) it's very obvious to see why they did not go with that (laughs) it there's nothing there's no like leo brings such a light to it and makes jack feel the way you you know jack as being like a man of the world but he is on small budget like and jeremy's episode just didn't have that like it just felt it's a little like give us nothing king literally (laughs) like literally and i'm like what were the scenes like that they didn't film that they got to the screen tests because like was he better like i don't understand because there's a long list of actors who were considered some of them blew my mind when i read them so billy crudup to me is the one I always heard because I heard he was actually all set and then his schedule just didn't allow it which I don't know imagine later finding out like do you know how much he must regret whatever he chose over so I heard he doesn't like regret it because he actually loves Leo in the movie but I don't know if he like is just saying that but I just like the trajectory of his career is very bizarre Like, would we have had Almost Famous with him? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, if he was in this, what would have happened? Because if he is not in Almost Famous, no offense as someone who doesn't like Almost Famous. Yeah. He's the only part of that movie I like. The movie wouldn't work without him. My question, though, is also, like, would he have an Oscar by now? Had he got down that trajectory? You know what? He was probably going to get, he would have probably been nominated. Yeah. Like, Leo didn't get nominated, but I bet yeah. Billy would have gotten nominated. That's oh weird. Oh my god, that's so weird. And then we okay. have, like, other people that, like, could change Oscar trajectory, like Matthew McConaughey. I cannot, no matter how hard I try, imagine Matthew McConaughey in this role. I don't think this movie would have been good. I know. feel really bad just saying that straight out, but I don't believe it would have been good. I also don't think if Matthew McConaughey had been cast, Kate Winslet would have been cast. She made it very clear if it wasn't Leo that she didn't want in it. So yeah, I can't. I, can you imagine Kate Winslet and Matthew McConaughey like no. together in these roles? Like no. Okay, I have a question for you. Who do you think if this movie were cast today? would be considered for that. I feel dumb saying this because it's like the most obvious answer, but it's definitely Timothy. See, I thought about this and I actually think it might be Tom Holland. Oh, it totally would be, huh? Because it's a similar trajectory in terms of like, obviously, Leo had had 
had had Gilbert Grape, Tom Holland had uh, The Impossible. And, and then um, Billy Elliot, right? Yep, yep. He was in Billy Elliot, like in the West End as a kid. And I think he also has that sort of boyish, like yes. good American boy charm. That if, my friend, if my friend Larry's listening, I'm saying this is fine. I'm not a Tom Holland hater. I'm not. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good one. He, I mean, he I guess like he even he, did The Impossible is a like disaster movie. movie. Yeah, and he's very good in it. So I think like, I he love would him in the be the right. He's so good, and I think he could have done this role really well, actually, with the right actress. I'm just saying this because I'm tired of them bringing them up as like a dual pair. It does not have to be Zendaya. Yeah, I literally <laughs> was just thinking, not Zendaya though. <laughs> like, love her, but not, not. Yeah. It does not she's have not, to be them together all gross. the time. It's yeah. like everyone being like, "Is Tom Holland on Euphoria?" I'm like, maybe they can do stuff without each other. <laughs> like, literally, like maybe they are rather... not a package deal. They are not yeah. you and Dan. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, they wish they were me. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be. Yeah, it would probably be. I, I also, I do think though they would have tested Timothy and. Um, Harry I Styles. feel like Harry Styles. Really good idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wild to think about. I, <laughs> okay, I asked my husband this: Would they make another yeah. movie about Titanic? Like now, after this movie? Oh, like would I they ever see? I could see another movie being made if it was different enough. I could see them I making- I cannot picture it for the life of me. See, like, like I can imagine a movie being made about the discovery of the Titanic shipwreck or something and like the that. the person is played by James Cameron. He's like, I'm gonna act. I can't think of his name, the guy that found it yep. in the 80s. But- or like, I actually was saying the other day that somebody should, after I sent, I sent you the post that inspired this, but um, yes. my friend and I were saying somebody should make a movie about the captain of the Carpathia and like the insane things that he did to get there as soon as he did uh, to save them. But you wouldn't even need to like have the actual type, like the ship is sunk by the time they arrive. Yeah. So you wouldn't even need the Titanic in it. But that's what I mean. Like, I think that you could make something Titanic adjacent. Yeah, but not Titanic. But yeah, like the maybe in a, like another 25 years. Because like the thing is, this movie has just like hung on. Like it's never yeah. left the culture. So I just mm-hmm. feel like- it couldn't happen. Or the other thing I could see actually working, there is a Titanic musical that is quite good. And I could see them adapt the film adaptation of the musical. Yeah. Would it still be think, a musical? Yeah, I think so. I think they could do it that way. And I think like some and I, I see it hopefully not by Tom Hooper, but something sort of lay Miz E um in terms of like I wonder who would do it. Hyper realism with it. Um does it show like the sinking? It does. The the way that they've done it on stage has been really interesting. Interesting. Um, obviously, it's like, I think that you could get around doing it as like intense as they do it in this film. But that's what I mean, though. It would have to be something like so drastically different from this movie. Yeah, I feel like it can't this be. Is, yeah. It can't be like a historical film. Yep. Which yeah, is It weird. can't just be like a straight period drama. This is about the Titanic yeah. sinking. Like yeah. it wouldn't work. Some other names that I am in disbelief over. Th- these two names really date the movie. So Chris okay. O'Donnell <laughs> and S- Stephen Dorff, who I love, but just absolutely. But also, this movie. like, what? why? <laughs> what? 
yeah. um, just horribly dates this movie. And then the two that just absolutely blow mm. my mind, Jared Leto. Every time I hear that, I feel the need to go like lie down on the floor. It is. <laughs> it makes sense because of like, he was considering Claire Danes for Rose. Like it right. makes a lot of sense, but it's just like wild. But he refused auditions. So he was no. The one good thing that man has done. The one good thing he's life. done for society. Um, no. And then one that is topical, Tom Cruise. I can't picture it. So Cameron was against it. He said he's too old, didn't want him. Right, that's the thing. Like The studio really wanted him, but they said his salary was too high, so they wouldn't take him. Okay, well, Tom Cruise also did us a solid, I guess. Yeah, so <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, so my favorite part about this whole thing is the casting director just absolutely deserved an Oscar because of what she did. So Cameron didn't want Leo, like was like, no, does not work. Not who I'm picturing, don't want him. Refused to meet with him. The casting director, Mally Finn was like, just, just, just sit in his audition. Leo asked in his first audition with Cameron to not read the scene they selected. What? He was like, I don't want to do romance scenes. Okay. Cameron walks out, like leaves, furious. Like, why am I wasting my time with this kid I didn't want to see in the first place? They come back in, obsessed. Cameron's like, this kid is amazing. This kid's so good. I'm assuming the casting director is like, yeah, I told you. Like, right. Like, I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. Yeah. Like, the studio against it didn't want him. They were like, no don't want this kid. Who is this kid? Don't want him. The studio then keeps getting sent dailies from Romeo and Juliet. And they're like, shit, we got to get this kid. We got to get this kid. His agents catch on to this trend of that's why they changed their mind. He's like, oh, his asking price has gone up because they knew he was going to be like the it kid. At this point, from what I've read, his asking price is very close to Tom Cruise's. So the studio is like, but now they've let's like just got get him. Tom. But now the studio's like, let's just get Tom then. Cameron's like, no. Then he's arguing over this kid he didn't want in the first place. Oh my God. I love this like flip in behavior. Apparently, I can't find this on record, but I found numerous sources saying that he had a contract signed without the studio's approval. <gasps> that like he like, okay. was behind their back and like Forget- presented. Forget the making of The Godfather. I want the making of I, <laughs> I think it would be absolutely insane. You could make, it would have to be a series though because mm-hmm. the casting drama I've read about. That would need an entire episode to itself. It, and then like the production, you'd need two episodes for the PCP thing. Like I yep. just, it's wild. So while all this is going on, he's negotiating with Kate Winslet who... is the opposite of leo leo's like i don't want to read i don't want to do this kate is sending video auditions of herself to james cameron every day calling him daily please let me audition in person a girl after our heart honestly (laughs) so like 
it it is so wild to me so it's the same energy I feel like as the fact that apparently Sarah Sharon like went to Greta Gerwig and was like I heard that you're doing Little Women I, I have to be playing Joe, Joe. Like, and Greta's like energy. yeah like we'll have you audition and she's like no no I will be your Joe <laughs> like, there's no audition I'm yeah. Joe she just shows up in costume she's like I'm Joe she's like I'm Joe I, I am Joe March <laughs> like so this is my favorite list of just actresses that were just like auditioned can't like showed up wanted it didn't do it Gwyneth Paltrow absolutely not it just continues with an absolutely not trend Winona Ryder okay I actually can see that better than Gwyneth Paltrow only because it's around the same time that she did the age of innocence yes but still I just can't picture it and I love Winona love I can't picture her with Leo yeah but I can't picture her with anyone else that's considered maybe Billy Crudup I don't know so I can but they kind of look like siblings and I I get distracted with that they might have they probably would have needed to like dye her hair or something yeah Claire Danes which makes sense with a lot of the people considered I'm I not to be shady um I'm so glad it's not Claire I just have like she's very typecasted in my head and it just doesn't work for Rose nope 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 Reese Witherspoon (laughs) that is the funniest one possible to me she doesn't work in any stretch of in a way, like, I want the version of Titanic, though, where they cast Reese Witherspoon and then realized that they needed to go for, like, them being, like, a Southern family. Oh, instead of, like, Philadelphia? Be, exactly. Because I think, like, a Charleston family, I think Wait, that would be Wait, can you imagine that horrible, horrible line that she gives about boarding the Titanic? If it's a Southern family. Okay, honestly, though, in a way, it might even work a little bit, like, better because it would be like such a clear like line of like meant to be mocking your privilege it it's just so bad I can't that line I literally like jumped it's a jump scare (laughs) it's a jump scare yes it is so my favorite part about this whole thing is Cameron just wasn't saying no to Kate Winslet but it doesn't seem like he wanted her like he just kept auditioning while ignoring her but not telling her to stop. <laughs> so then he flew her from England, or the studio flew her from England to audition. I guess he liked her, but did not cast her still. Okay, okay. Has her screen test with numerous people. Mm-hmm. She at one point tells Cameron after a screen test with Leo pick him even if you don't pick me that's that's the beginning of a very beautiful friendship honestly. it really is and he said that she he that's when he kind of flipped on leo that he knew they needed her like and she goes back to england is not cast in the movie oh my god but he doesn't tell her she's not like so she keeps sending him notes she sends him a rose from your rose stop 
Giving like, okay, cling- do you giving clingy do you know, behavior? Do you know how cringy this would be if she'd not been cast in the end? I can't imagine. <laughs> like, I would have never acted again. I would have disappeared. I would have been like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Eventually, she gets the part. And then this is my favorite part about this because this is all very public record. Like this was not just like one source. It's in this book I have about the making of the Titanic. It's it's everywhere. At one point, Cameron says, Winslet had the thing you look for, that there's just a quality in her face, her eyes, just knew people would be ready to go the distance with her. You didn't know that for three months, but then you knew all this? I don't understand. This is the one thing I'm like, James Cameron is a liar. She put everything in her into this role it's really crazy and i couldn't figure out her negotiated terms okay his leo's negotiated terms total take 40 million oh my god he got 2.5 as his base salary and he negotiated for 1.8 percent of gross revenue smart man or a smart manager, I guess. But yeah, I cannot find what she negotiated to get. I hope it's close to that. But I do too. From how much she wanted it, I don't feel like it is. I feel like she probably was just like, fuck it, I'll do it for free. I was like, like did she do it for free? Someone let me know. <laughs> like <laughs> I could like find like a term for her salary between like two to three, but I can't find like I can't find like a real source for like his is in the Hollywood Reporter but I can't find anything right um Hmm. my next favorite person in the entire cast is Billy Zane oh yes my favorite part of this is for some reason it also was almost Matthew McConaughey I that makes me want to like I don't even know I want to delete that from my brain (laughs) it's so bad (laughs) And then also Rob Lowe. That makes more sense to me, at least. I can picture Rob Lowe. I can yeah. for the life of me, picture Matthew McConaughey. Like, it would be an SNL sketch. So the thing is, I'm picturing him, like, in the suits and everything, but I'm in my head, he's still going, like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Yeah, exactly. You know what's bad? I'm picturing him in a stupid Magic Mike outfit, the vest, no shirt, on the Titanic. I don't know why. Um, what would they have done to his hair? Like, I just have a lot of questions. Well, so like, Billy Zane wore a wig. So I wonder if it would also be a wig. Do you, would they have put that dark wig on him? It would have been bad. There are so many but places. But you know what's so cool? Rob Lowe probably wouldn't have worn a wig because he had good hair. Exactly. Like he, I mean, he still has yeah. good hair, but he had like excellent 90s hair. I That's so fascinating to me. It's, it's I just, weird. Matthew McConaughey. Like... Why was so no I guess one else available? What I read is when he reject, like when they passed on him for mm. Jack, that it was like a scheduling thing, but he could oh. be available enough to be a character okay. with the same amount of screen time as Billy Zane's character, Cal. Okay, but I, I couldn't read why it didn't happen. Maybe because someone finally realized that would be a horrible casting. I just like Matthew McConaughey's career is very confusing to me in general, but like this would have made it even more confusing because personally, I feel like even if he was Jack, his career would be the same. Yes. Yeah. And this would be considered a weird outlier. Yeah. 
I, it's so weird. So next up is Frances Fisher as Ruth Dewitt. Bikinger. Wait, I just had a thought. Do you know who was probably young enough at the time and they could have cast as that character? Who? Jason Isaacs. He would have been good. He would have been terrifying, but so good. You know, so I read there's this scene where Cal is yelling at Rose and he flips a table mm-hmm. and they didn't tell, like he just did it in the moment. And oh. that Kate Winslet's reaction is genuinely her reaction. And that would have been so scary with Jason Isaac. Like, I mean, it's scary. Right? It's scary with Billy Zane, but Billy Zane is like, I'm comfortable with him. Like, I'm scared of him, but I'm not like scared <laughs> for Kate Winslet. But I would have been scared for her with Jason. That I feel been- like with Jason Isaacs too that would have been such a funny experience for her just in that everything I've heard about him like on the set of Harry Potter is that he would he like, was like the second it's over he's like really comforting was, and like yeah, he's like are you okay like <laughs> when I was watching that Harry Potter um special on HBO yeah. I was blown away by the way they were talking about how he'd be scary they'd cut he'd like he wouldn't move he'd be like you okay like you okay yeah. you, you, like, I'm yeah. like He's like the anti-method actor. <laughs> Literally the opposite. Like him, <laughs> yeah. Matt Smigelson and Robert Pattinson all need to do like a quick interview about like method acting yep. and how dumb it is. Like, yep, please. Love to hear his thoughts. <laughs> um, so next is Francis Fisher. I couldn't find anyone else that was going to play Rose's mom. So They said there is no one else. <laughs> it's so funny watching her in interviews and behind the scenes footage. She seems yeah. also very kind. The opposite yeah. of that and so I kind of I love her as this though I was trying to think of anyone else I could play her mom I couldn't really think of anyone I feel like there's like present day actresses I can picture but they wouldn't have been old enough when this was being filmed yeah exactly she's also aged really beautifully like I saw this interview they did all together with the 20th anniversary oh yeah looked so good yeah she's perfect in this role she's the perfect like there are moments where you can tell she's scared just with her eyes and I think that's so impressive obviously as an actor and especially because she's this character that is like so far removed from reality so when she's scared you know it's like (laughs) stuff is bad it's bad my next favorite casting is Gloria Stewart who is she's so good credited as old Rose not just Rose Calvert, like the married name, like just old oh Rose. Old name. Rose. <laughs> oh my um, God. She, <laughs> wild. She's 87 when they were filming. Okay. So they put age makeup on her to make yeah, her 101. He asked the casting director to find a retired actress who was alive when it happened. Wait, that's cute. Yeah, but they- That's very cute. And I read they auditioned some like, not like famous actresses, but just like. Right, but people who had been. And yeah. he said in screen tests, it was kind of distracting that you felt like it was an actor telling you a story. Whereas with Gloria Stewart, okay. you really did feel like it was old Kate Winslet telling you if, the story. If this was made today, I feel very strongly that the role would go to Vanessa Redgrave. Oh my God, I was panicking. You were going to say Maggie Smith. <laughs> No, 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 but I just think another award show she doesn't show up to. Oh my God. No, I feel like Vanessa would be the perfect person for this role these days. Because it has to be someone like, I think that was a really good call on James Cameron's part because like it would have felt 
like an actor if it was someone you were like yep. recognizing yep but so good call um next up is bill paxton as brock lovett aka james cameron um, yeah, it's literally like the stand-in <laughs> character for James Cameron. Um, we always talk about Christopher Nolan puts himself in his movies, but this this Brock Lovett is James Cameron. Like there yes, is no quite literally. So um I couldn't find anything on other actors that were gonna imagine play him. though picking a name for a character that is very clearly you Brock pick Lovett. Brock Lovett. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds fake. Well, okay, it sounds like you're trying to come up with a name like along the lines of like Indiana Jones, like, you know. It does. It Crocodile does. Dundee and you land on Brock Lovett. And then he like. has like an earring to top it all off. Like it's, yes. um, we'll say top five Bill Paxton performances for me. I know people roast it. I, I think, think it has good. to be, I think it has to be cheesy. If it's not cheesy, it's not good. It doesn't I work. also think he just probably watched every time James Cameron talked about Titanic. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. I think he does a great job of like, at first he is like this money hungry kind of guy. And then he transitions into really caring about Rose's story. And- I also think that he does a really good job of, he feels so distinctly of the time period in which the film was made. Like he feels so modern in the nineties that it helps make this very clear divide between the modern scenes and the flashbacks. flashbacks. Yeah. Because you want to feel that this was like a different world. Yeah. And I think like that, and then like, he does that great scene where he's filming and then he turns the camera off and he's like, enough of this shit. I think like he was like <laughs> the perfect person to pull that off. Like- I agree. And I also just love Bill Paxton being in like two movies that really shaped me as a person. This and Twister just absolutely okay. changed my life. Literally same. Like same. I was obsessed with Twister. I like, that is so problematic. Like I lived in Texas. I lived through tornadoes, but I was like, I know what to do. Grab a belt, Wait. grab a belt, hook me up to the pipe. I was like, what are you talking about? I was also really obsessed with Twister as a child. And like, it's for so some weird. reason, Twister and Titanic were two of the movies that my parents would just like, oh, we're not doing anything. Like after dinner, Let's throw it on, throw the VHS in. Like, like why? Like, like literally why? Like, why was seven-year-old me more familiar it with makes like, no these sense. films like, and I would like be like I literally wanted to be like a weather person and it was because of Twister. I thought her. and I'm like I had all what? these books yeah I had, I had tons these, like, of books about tornadoes like yeah and, like I would like anytime there'd be a tornado I'd be like I know what to do guys and my parents would be like you're you're seven you don't know what to do tornado drills at school I was like y'all I got this. I was like we like, we go in the bathroom because we can hold on to the pipes in case the, the tornado comes I'm like you never want to be caught near without a pipe nearby you're going to be stuck to the foundation I'm like what are we talking about you and I are so ready for a shipwreck or a tornado literally (laughs) if I'm ever even though like I'll never go on a cruise because of Titanic like literally literally I have a fear of like large boats like like I remember going we would go for cheerleading we'd go on competitions in the Bahamas all the time and our hotel would always be near where like cruise ships would dock. And I would just like have panic attacks. And I'm like, you're not even on one, like relax. Yeah. And like, you're not in cold water like that. Like, yep. what are you doing? Like, yep. 
ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so the next group of characters are all real people that were portrayed as characters in the movie. In a future episode, we're going to go into historical accuracies and whatnot. So we're not going to yes, like dive are. into that <laughs> because I want to save that for later. But I just wanted to make a little note for anyone listening and just be aware that we will get into it. Um, so these are my two favorite performances in the whole movie that we're going to have up first. So first is Kathy Bates as Margaret Molly Brown. Incredible. Um, I am a huge Kathy Bates fan. Love Same. her. One of my favorite Oscar ones ever. But where was her nomination for this? Where was it? Where was it? Yeah. I think she is the perfect actress for this role. Not just because Same. she looks like her, but she does a great job of what we were talking about earlier of like, she's kind of an outsider, even though she has all this money but she is treated so differently and like ostracized from the community because she is her own woman. She does what she wants. Mm -hmm. She is not, I mean, she's still doing everything they're doing. Like she's still having tea and all proper and stuff, but like- Molly Brown or Margaret Brown was a fascinating woman, which like I said, we'll talk more about, but like everything I've ever read about her as a person or like I went to the Molly Brown house in Denver and everything I learned, I was like, they cast this role literally perfectly. So what I heard, and I have found it in very great sources, but I've never heard James Cameron talk about it. He actually took a pay cut so they would cast her. So he um, always, yeah, he always wanted her and they were like, she's too expensive. And from what I've read, he just kept slashing his salary like he just kept making cuts to it. He to literally just did wanted not care about anything other than someone else paying for him to go dive to the Titanic. Literally. So <laughs> he's like, I'll make the movie for free. <laughs> my favorite part of this whole thing is before they even approach her, he's just like, cut my salary, cut this, cut this, cut this. We need Kathy Bates. They meet her and she's like willing to go below her quote to be in it. It's like so... she just wanted to be in it. She knew it was the perfect role. Yeah, so love that. I also love our introduction to her. She has like insane amount of luggage and it's all Louis Vuitton yeah. luggage. Yeah. And I like was curious as to the pricing on that. Her luggage Ooh. would have been worth a few million at yep. the time because yep. it was like way overpriced. Like it's not anywhere near the same price it is now. But she like that good, good gold. And she money. got on in Paris, which I love. So like she's on like the little side boat, gets on. And yep. I was like, she was probably getting it. Like she was probably picking it up. Right? Yeah. Which is yeah. amazing. Just amazing detail. I couldn't find anyone else's even considered for this. Like it was just always Kathy. Bates. It was just her. Was never going to be anyone else. <laughs> um, my next favorite performance in this whole movie. And it also made me a fan of him for life. Yep. Victor Garber Same. as Tom Sanders. Icon. Listen, Mr. Andrews is the MVP of this entire film. He, um, there's no one else. There's no one else. Like His performance in this is so damn good. There's this line that Rose is like, I, can, I saw the iceberg and I can see it in your eyes. I'm like, I can see can. it in your eyes. You, you can. can. <laughs> yes. It's so crazy. Because he didn't <laughs> see it. Like, he didn't see the iceberg. Yeah. And you get the sense that he cared that much about the ship and the people on it. And he also does this really great job of like 
when Rose points out that there's not enough lifeboats for how many people are, he looks around really subtly to see like who can hear him. And instead of being like, yeah, it's fucking bullshit. He very calmly is like, some people didn't think it would be pretty on the ship. Like he's not like throwing anyone under the bus, but you know, if he looked around, no one bad could hear, like he would have just been like, these idiots like he does a really <laughs> great job of like showing you that this character was against all these safety he does cuts good job at all times of like showing the character's motivations just in his like body language and facial expressions and I mean particularly the god the part where they run into him as Rose and Jack are like trying to as the, the ship, ship is, like, is literally like down. at an angle and when he's like, what is the line? He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't build you a better ship, Rose. He I'm calls like, her young Rose. Young Rose. Kills Kill me. me. Like, like <laughs> it, and he, the thing he's doing is he is setting the clock to like a different time because I think he's thinking like, if someone finds this clock at the bottom of the ocean, they'll know what time it happened. What time it was. Which is true. They did find a clock that was Set to the time. Yeah, um, wild. But I love him in this movie. I He's so good. I mean, this movie made me a fan of Victor Garber and like actively seek out stuff he does because I just think he's so good yep. in this. Um, but fun he's fact, so comforting. It, it just dawned on me because I was like, at this time, I was very obsessed with this film, and I was very obsessed with another film, and I was thinking about this with Kathy Bates that Kathy Bates was in. It just dawned on me. Victor Garber was also in that movie. And it's Annie. Oh my God. Because he is, okay, Annie, Annie is a movie that I never have thought about again since I was obsessed with it, but there was a period of time I was obsessed with it. And I swear it's because of Victor Garber. It's Victor Garber and Kathy Bates. Wow. Yeah. I had that on VHS and I remember because it was those ones that were like plastic and it gave me like a cut, not like a paper cut, but like a cut. Okay. Those were the worst when you would get a cut off of those. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, but I remember being like obsessed. I need to wow. rewatch it. I need to see him as Yeah, I was obsessed with it and then I just kind of got over it. It wasn't like Titanic where I just kept going back. Did to that it. did that help shape my taste in men? Who knows? Probably. <laughs> probably. It makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make sense for like who I ended up with, but like it makes sense for like everyone I was with along the way. That sounds like a lot of people. It was not a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, okay, so none of these people are, like, super famous, like, our first two, but Jonathan Hyde as J. Bruce Esme, who, let me tell you, he has multiple scenes that, like, I have never wanted to punch someone in the face so much, like, when they're at that, I think it's, like, a lunch, they're all sitting at the very beginning, and he's, like, I named the Titanic because of, I'm like, shut up, shut up. Get your stupid mustache okay. out of here. No, but when Rose is, you know, makes a comment about Freud Men and, and he's, it's so funny. He's like, who's that? Is that a passenger? So a lot of people discredit this movie for all of its like on the nose, like Picasso, he'll never be anything. But I love them. I think it's really funny. It's like my sense of humor to be like super obvious about it being like. But I also think it tells us so much about about these characters. those characters. Like, yeah. 
it's like the fact Cal that is dumb like and so him being like because the whole art thing like circles back plot wise so it's hilarious yep. that like he thinks Picasso is dumb and will never amount to anything the fact that I know what he says say it is annoying yeah um, <laughs> but like Ismay being like he repeatedly talks about the size of the ship that it won't sink that they need to go faster and like all these things that contribute to Titanic sinking um just uh, I this guy is really good I feel bad I don't know anything else he is in on the top of my head but he's great because he kills this role though yeah I just realized I read two lines Jonathan Hyde is Jay Bruce's mate I read two lines because I don't have my glasses oh yeah yeah incredible so Bernard Hill is Captain Edward John Smith who I will say I really like him and he he gives one of the best performances because if you were a kid who had this on VHS he delivers quite a few lines that like cut from tape one to tape two yeah um, so very formative for me as a child because he was like someone I like he did a good job of being like the captain that you look to for answers but at the same time I was like what are you doing like captain the ship like you're the captain because as a kid you watch this movie and you're like why are you listening to this guy <laughs> like if you're the captain why are you listening to other people but once you get older you're like oh wow they just like have to bow to pressure from rich people yep. it's like yeah it's so wild as you grow up and you realize that but I, I think he's great. I couldn't really read anything about other people considered. I think because he's not really like famous, famous that it was mm -hmm. like whatnot, but I, I like also him. feel like they were trying to pick and choose where to put the famous people in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like they knew they wanted Kathy Bates. Obviously Victor Garber is perfect casting for that role. They probably didn't want to have it stuffed full of famous well people actors. yeah right where like you were they they weren't trying to make don't look up like to the yeah. point that you were just noticing the actor and not the character yes I and I think that like is a great way of like honoring some people but not taking away from them at the same time yeah um just some some people that we like in the movie Susie Amis is Lizzie Calver so she is Rose's granddaughter who clearly has the hots for Brock Levitt. Yep. There's like deleted scenes with them. And I'm like, do you guys like have a deleted love scene? Like what's going on here? Wild. It's Wild. Weird. Um, my favorite person in the movie, Fabricio, is played by Danny Nucci. What a character. I am obsessed with his deleted storyline, like not deleted scenes, like 20 deleted scenes that he has an entire love interest. Where did it like, go? What like, do you think the conversation was with Danny Nucci? Like, hey, remember that whole storyline your character has not in the final cut? Do you know what I suddenly really want? <laughs> his own spinoff? Give, give me the Fabrizio cut. <laughs> the Fabrizio cut. Sorry to the Snyder cut. Sorry to the Snyder cut. Yep. I just like, so it's like 30 minutes worth of deleted scenes of his storyline that he has like a love interest who I guess is a character you actually see 
you just don't like she doesn't have like a speaking part I guess I think she okay. is Polish or something I didn't write it down no I can't that write makes it. sense yeah um but I'm kind of glad Wait, they deleted it didn't to go back really quickly didn't Susie Ami end up marrying James Cameron she did right isn't she yeah. at the Oscars with him yeah which is really funny that's a good point to wait I'm so wait hold on I need to process the fact is that, that um, who he left Catherine Bigelow for I think so but also let's wait let's process the fact that he cast her as this character who has the hots for, for the character that is his stand-in <laughs> oh and then he marries her wait is that who he left Sorry if you're listening and I didn't think about this before. It has to be. First of all, she's aged beautifully. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Can we talk about she married like a previous co-star that she had? I'm... I love this. The plot thickens. The plot is so I'm thickening. telling you. The plot is thickening so I'm much. telling you a TV series about the making of Titanic. They did not. Okay. They met while filming Titanic. Mm-hmm. But then he, so it says they were together, but not like official. Then he returned back to Linda Hamilton. He mm-hmm. married Linda Hamilton. <gasps> divorced her two years later. She got $50 million. Jeez. Then within the next two years, Amos and Cameron married. I'm just saying that's even bolder that he has her have the hots for his character. Like that's even it's funnier. very cringy. Did he manifest their marriage? I'm, okay, because <laughs> yes. So my question now is, does Lizzie Calvert marry Brock Probably. <laughs> I'm going to believe that now, actually. Um, what's these? Okay, I've always like had like a bias against James Cameron because I love Catherine Bigelow. Mm-hmm. James Cameron and um, Susie. Yeah. Took it. They have three daughters. Okay. In 2020, they became per- permanent guardians of one of their daughter's friends. Oh, I love that. And That's they, really cute. they are on a plant-based diet since 2012, <laughs> which I kind of knew because they're in this documentary I've seen, but okay, yeah. I didn't realize it's been that long since 2012. Yeah. That was That's before it was like, cool. Cool. Wow. Um, all right. Oh. You know what's weird? She does look a lot like um Linda Hamilton (laughs) like they look really similar like they have like the same blonde hair strong eyebrows light eyes yeah like if you put their pictures next to each other it's oh could be before and afters oh okay fascinating (laughs) fascinating also, I'm on Linda Hamilton's Wikipedia, 
This is really offensive. Yeah. In 2019, she won an award for best elderly. Oh. <laughs> what? If I was going to use a word to describe Linda Hamilton, it would never be elderly. That's truly offensive. Very offensive. Wow. Okay. Um, I didn't write down the actor that plays Tommy Ryan, um, but love him. Yeah. There are too many people on IMDb. Maybe that's why I didn't write it down, but wild. Love him. Very sad death. Very sad death. Yeah. There's one more person I want to shout out. David Warner, a Spicer Lovejoy. <laughs> what is this name? Spicer Lovejoy. Spicer Lovejoy. What I, name? I don't understand, but I want to shout him out because when my parents got a babysitter for me to watch, for them to go watch Titanic. Okay. I was at home watching a Titanic miniseries that he is in. What? I love that. (laughs) Like, does he have an obsession with Titanic? Because, like, why would you be in multiple projects about it? That's, like, what is it about him that casting directors look at him and say, "Mm, Titanic. Titanic. I just love that he is, like, James Bond on Titanic. Like, what are you doing? What is, like... Like, yeah, there's this role. deleted scene of him chasing Rose and Jack. Like, the ship is flooded, full of water. And he's, like, chasing them with a gun. And then Jack punches him in the face. And it is, like, <laughs> it is such a bad scene. I'm, like, thank God he deleted it. But mm-hmm. it definitely, like, intensified. It tries to make it, like, an action movie, kind of. And I'm, like, what is this subplot? That's I honestly wonder this. if that was partially, like, some studio intervention of, like, because of what James Cameron was sort of known for. Yeah, exactly. If they were like, it needs an action sequence. Because they were very against it being like a love story, which is so funny to me because I'm like, that's what got so many people to see it in the first place. It's weird. So I guess we can start with the the crew now. So we'll start with James Cameron and his background. He started in special effects, which is really cool to me. I didn't know that because I've always not liked him. <laughs> um, but he also good reason though. Yeah, like he also worked as an art director and then a production designer, which is really oh. it makes a lot of sense, like his obsession yeah. to detail. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I love that, but I'm also like these poor production designers and art directors that now have to work with him when he's like, well, when I did it. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, that's so true. Can't imagine. Um, so before Titanic, he and I also learned that he his first directorial job he considers not his first directorial job because the director quit when they were in production because of the director feeling like there was like interference from the studio so then James Cameron took over and then he doesn't consider it his first job because they interfered so much he's like it's never what I would have done which is so funny to me and then so before Titanic he had a lot of success Terminator Aliens The Abyss and then Terminator 2 and I thought it was fascinating that Titanic is his only movie about something real like everything else yeah. is something fictional. Um, obviously Titanic is quite fictional in some parts, 
the main story but it's really interesting to me that he like did this he's so obsessed with attention to detail and then never did anything yeah like real it's amazing that he never did even like some sort of medieval type movie or something it really seems like like something he would do like his own the last duel that's not a political his own like gladiator yeah something like that it's very weird um he was obsessed with titanic this whole time apparently (laughs) obsessed and all the interviews i could find he said he was obsessed with figuring out the truth of what happened and i'm like glad you're still doing it okay truly i think the most endearing thing about james cameron is that like he finished this film it goes on to break all these records win all these oscars and he's He's still still like he's like but i don't know how long it would have taken for them to load a lifeboat it's so funny to me because it's like it's like i can't move on from the movie but neither can he neither can he he said i'll never let go literally he's like i'll never let go that Um, i'm convinced that's why the avatar movies are taking so long it's because he is splitting his time between making avatar 2 he's like and studying the titanic he literally saw that tiktok that someone's like the titanic is going to disintegrate before 2045 he's like i have to see it 17 more times before that happens (laughs) (laughs) if anyone can figure out how to lift it from the bottom of the ocean without crushing it it's james cameron it will be him yeah like he's so obsessed um cinematographer is russell carpenter who i feel like a lot of people discredit the cinematography in this movie because it's like the start of cgi and whatnot but i think it's great and like one of the scenes that everybody hates on for cgi isn't even green screen the scene with them kissing and she's like i'm flying oh yeah that's real so i will never understand I love some of, um, like, just some of the ways that they did things in this film where you have, like, the shots of the actual, um, or the shots, like, in the, like, weird, what do you call it? I forget what the the thing is that makes it look like old film. And then it, oh, like, yeah. like, transitions. Like, I feel like the way that they set up some of those to look like the way that they used to film things is incredible. That's also like, like an insane amount of detail. And this poor yeah. cinematographer is probably like, I'm just trying to shoot this movie. Can James Cameron stop bringing, he's probably like also, emailing okay. him, like write this was, on Netflix. I was reading and I can't remember which way it goes, if it's the starboard side or the port side, but they only were able, like they made the replica, but they only had it for like one Yeah, the one the side. Show. Right. So then they in flipped the, everything. Yeah. The issue is that because it left the dock, like, from the other's direction they had to flip everything but that meant that like if in the script it says this character walks right they, they walk, had to walk left, left it's so, that it so flip. wild and i read that they like panicked and they had to make all this extra props with stuff written backwards right. and i'm yeah. like and they realized it like before right before they were going to shoot so they like didn't have a lot of time to do it and i'm like yep wild wild but the fact that they were like well this is the just side that it. it left on so it has to you know like we can't just flip I would in. literally just be like, like we're not zooming out like we're just gonna yeah. stay on a character we're not gonna zoom out like who cares <laughs> yeah it's so wild to me so famously the composer is James Horner who this score is fantastic 
and he is one of my favorite tidbits about this movie is that he would not give James Cameron music unless he was in a good mood. Like he would try to <laughs> test the waters it's oh my God. to see what kind of mood <laughs> he was in before giving him anything. Cause he said, if he was angry, he would like hate on it and just like freak out and like yell at him. Smart man. Insane. Um, he worked on Apollo 13, which is cool because Bill Paxton, he also worked on Jumanji and Braveheart and one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, The Page Master. So mm. love that. Um, costume okay. designer is just an absolute legend, Deborah Lynn Scott. Obsessed. Okay. Her work on this is incredible. Like she did such meticulous research. Like Rose's suit in the first scene that we see young Rose in is an almost exact reproduction of photographs of a French like walking suit from the time that's amazing she especially Rose's costume she put so much work into making sure that they were historically accurate and everything that I found and everything that like I can tell is that they are incredibly historically accurate as is the hair the only thing that's very inaccurate in this film is the makeup which is much uh heavier than would have been considered appropriate at the time like if, if Rose was walking around wearing that level of makeup, she would have been branded like a hussy. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but like the costumes themselves are, are incredibly historically accurate. And this is one of the few times where I will condone that we have a tight lacing corset scene because that's actually very interesting because wearing corsets was like going out of fashion at the time. So what it's telling us is that like Rose's mother is keeping her in this more restrained sort of older more traditional outfit which obviously parallels the way that she treats her overall and it's like it's much more what would have been in fashion and like very much done when Rose's mother was a young girl so I think like all the way that they use the costumes too just like to inform the character and the way that Rose's dresses actually like get looser over the Mm -hmm. course of the film also like mirroring her character development is incredible that's so funny because I read that originally that scene was Rose's mom talking to her and her dresser doing the corset yep. and then they switched it because they thought thematically it made more sense yeah and that is so interesting wow I love that yeah because <laughs> when I first realized like the dresses were getting looser as the film went on she like was more flowy I was mm-hmm. like wow wow yeah right. I wasn't watching this movie properly all these times Um, I think also so often costume designers either make things historically accurate or they make a lot of like really good character choices with their costumes. And I think this is one of the shining examples of a time that a costume designer was able to do both at the same time. Like I would say the 2020 Emma is the other like shining example of that is like making character choices while still staying historically accurate. But I think like this, this movie is honestly... And I'm not like, I mean, I know a good deal about this era and like costume, but I want to say it's probably one of the most historically accurate costuming we've ever had in a big budget movie. I think that's like something a lot of people, because it's usually men that make big budget movies. So I feel like they disregard costumes as being important, but it's so funny because like, especially a movie like Titanic that was like marketed as like a romance so like the audience was primarily female but like 
it's a detail I would notice right away if it's not historically accurate. Like it would kind of take me out of it. So I feel like it's something that like big budget movies should spend more time on. Especially for anything like this, where we have photographs of people on the Titanic. It's like really funny when there's like no photographs, but it's just like drawings. But this is like photographs were like pretty We know what people wore Especially for like, there's like all these photographs of people getting on the Titanic, which are obviously everywhere considering like this is a real disaster and like there's no... And like, we have so many photographs of, you know, Molly Brown, of mm-hmm. uh, the Strausses, of uh, Guggenheim or whatever that guy's name is. You know, like, it's easy. It was easy enough for them to, to figure spot. out what these yeah. people would have been wearing. Yeah. And then um, production designer, Peter Lamont, who I just want to say is clearly a James Garman fan because he also worked on <laughs> Aliens and a few other things that he produced. But... I, the production assignment in this movie is insane. It's you also had to deal with James because <laughs> my favorite like... <laughs> story about James Cameron yeah. and props is that they were like, we don't need branded silverware and dishes. And James Cameron was like, through a fit, was like, no, it has to say White Star Line. Yep. And now he says that's like one of his regrets is that he wishes he hadn't spent time on stuff like that and hadn't spent money on stuff like that. But, but I, just I also love, do think it helps it makes create a this incredibly yeah. immersive world. And like, it's one of the things that makes historians actually love this movie. Yeah, like I I understand him saying he wishes he spent money elsewhere, but I love it. Especially the scene where it's so dumb, but when the dishes like crash, okay, they, it zooms in on the fact that they yeah. say white star line. So I'm like, if- I think it's, it's important because I do think he is making a point with the film, even though it's subtle, that these lives were lost because of the White Star Line as a company, like because yeah. of choices that were made by them. And one of that my is who is responsible favorite scenes is when Jack and Rose bust out of this door and this guy yeah. is like, that is White Star Line property. You're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And I'm like, the ship is sinking. There is water everywhere. What are you talking about? I also, every time, like my mom or I are displeased with something, we will literally say, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to the White Star Line about this. It is <laughs> like so does, good. Literally dying. I think he does, like, I think it's really important because it really does put the, mm-hmm. like, it brands the ship outside of Titanic. Like there yep. are all these moments that it's like, a corporation is responsible and I feel mm-hmm. like the branding does a really important job of keeping that in your mind it's important that we don't think of this as something like a um you know a disaster movie as a result of like a weather related yeah like thing. it's not like Poseidon like exactly like this was like, like it's not like because so not to quote SNL but that sketch with <laughs> Bo and Yang who yeah Bo and Yang just hate us now but it's not the iceberg's fault like exactly exactly because so the movie does a great job of being like throughout the movie you have Ishmay like telling the captain go faster you have Thomas Andrews commenting on like 
that he was told the lifeboats weren't aesthetically pleasing, which the I fact love that they don't aesthetic have aesthetic was a thing right. in 1912. The fact that they don't have binoculars, that they're yeah. like, yeah, we don't know where the binoculars, I think it's the fact that, I can't remember how it goes. It's something like they had the binoculars, but not the key to the box or something. Yeah, it's- There's some weird thing where that's why they don't know that the iceberg is there. Yeah, and then like, <laughs> they bring up multiple times that- they can't keep up with the messages and there's like a deleted scene where they show that there's like an influx of messages coming in and going out for first class passengers and like they're told like prioritize these over messages from other ships and that was very much white star line trying to be like we're the rich people ship like we prioritize our rich passengers yep and i understand that scene getting cut because it's really long but I just, I think it would have been nice to be in the film because it was just another thing of setting the scene of this company. Of like, this. this is the White Star Line's fault. Yeah. Like, yeah. But the production design is so stunning. I mean, they built this ship. Like, yeah, they yeah. didn't build both sides, but they built a ship. I also think it's incredible to think about how much they had to build and then only had like one chance to do what yeah, they needed to so with it. my favorite scene is the ceiling crashing in the grand staircase mm-hmm. and that was like the scene he said that like he was the most scared to film because they had one go and yeah I mean even the dishes smashing like the dishes smashing it's every dish it's every dish like he said that they didn't want to put every dish that they wanted to get like duplicates that didn't have the branding and he was like no because yeah. that'll be the one that falls out and right you'll see it right and you, you can't, can't do it again then. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I just, I don't know. I think this movie, like, if I were a production designer, yeah, it probably was a nightmare to work on. But I can't imagine how satisfying it is to see all of us 25 years later still talking about how stunning this work is. Right. Yeah. I love it so much. And then our beautiful casting director, Molly Finn. Shout out. Shout out. Just beautiful work. (laughs) Beautiful work. Thank you for everything you've done for society. Um, She also cast a Batman Forever, which is so (laughs) fascinating to me. Like, that's okay. Okay. Insane. Insane. And then I'm just really sad for the visual effects team because this wasn't an Oscar yet. This was not a category. So they didn't win anything. But like, my God. So I don't know how you feel. I feel like it holds up, like the work. I also think this is a stunning example of sort of blending practical effects. Yes. With newer work. I think this holds up a lot better than most movies made in this time period. Because I think that he, I think if it was made two years later, it would have been bad. Because you look at like, sorry to say this but the star wars movies i know i was literally sitting here like you look at the prequels and you're like yikes (laughs) like i just it those were only made like two years later like yeah it's wild the way that it changed i also though you look at some of the other things that like the guys who worked on visual effects worked on like apollo 13 like last of the mohegans like you know, one of these guys goes on to do the Jungle Book 2016 movie. And The Lion King And The Lion King, like, these are people who are truly, like, top of their game. It's so funny because um, the, I think, 
Robert Leggetto, he's the one who worked on Jungle Book and Lion King. He also did yeah. the first Harry Potter. And that movie has like really great special effects that are obviously yep. like you can tell they're dated, but like they're really impressive because he combines practical with all this yep. like and I think that's why this movie holds up so well because like yeah. sure there is propeller guy sure it looks but fake but what did you think- want what did you want someone to jump off and hit really well, hit, and like- we'll get into this later that like some of the stuff where they were using cgi was because they tried to do it practical and it and didn't work had, and people were getting injured yeah and i would always rather a movie effect not look as good but people not be put in danger yeah like so there's like, like- this famous like quote of James Cameron like that circulates to like make him look bad but I don't think it means a bad way he literally kept saying on set like we're not gonna kill anyone for this movie and I'm like yep. he meant it in a way that like they tried stuff and people got hurt and he was like let's and just so he move was on like, let's no. figure it out yeah. like yeah and I just think that they did so much practical that I can excuse stuff when you can tell it was for safety reasons like exactly. it was not exactly. for anything else like yeah I do, I think people just get so caught up in like him being obsessed with technology and what he's done with Avatar but I'm like he wasn't doing that with Titanic like Titanic mm-hmm. he was really determined to do things like practically like was he gonna build that water tank to do stuff with CGI no he no. wanted them I mean like there's yeah. that rumor that he wouldn't let anyone out of the tank and they all peed in the tank. And like that same guy isn't like, I don't want someone to jump off a boat. Like that, I'm yeah. sure he wanted people to, but he was like, you can't do that. Like, but he's like, I'm not trying to kill people to make yeah. a movie, which I respect. I respect. <laughs> like if I want yeah. a filmmaker, I want him to not want to kill people. I, I prefer my filmmakers not to be murderers. Literally, literally. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anyone that I would recast because I'm just going to say this before we finish up today. Okay. Billy Zane is good in this movie. If you think yes. Billy Zane is bad, I don't know what to tell you. Other than I think me. if you think Billy Zane is bad, you don't understand the character. That is like, because his character is over the top. His character yes. is a drama king. Like, yes, I, he is chasing a woman and a man with a gun in a sinking ship. Like, honestly, do you want to know who I'm surprised was not considered for this role? Oh, is Rupert Everett. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? Wow. <laughs> I wonder, like, why did Billy Zane end up, like, getting it? Do you know what I mean? Like, He had the best sneer out of <laughs> right? anyone. Maybe. Okay. Rupert is 62. How old is Billy Zane? <laughs> Cause that like that oh, he's older. Billy Zane's fifty six, but I feel like that character could have been older and it would have worked equally well. You know, I yeah. Cause he, like it honestly, he maybe would have made gap. more of a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I love Billy Zane in this movie though. I I do too. I just think people don't understand that was like a style of acting, and it was very popular in this time period. I also genuinely think that like this is not a character who's meant to be subtle. 
Yeah, like if he's subtle, I feel like it honestly like blends in. Like he, because mm-hmm. this is a movie that is about a tragedy. And, but at the same time, there's a love story. And if there's no like villain in the mm-hmm. love story, it kind of like falls flat. Like it also, misses. this is a man who literally has his just like hitman with him. Like, like hit, okay. Like I keep thinking about this. Does Lovejoy have his own room? Or is it like attached to Rose's room? Is he sleeping also, in that like little in the little like saloon sitting room that they yeah. do the drawing? <laughs> oh my god, he sleeps on that couch. On the couch. Can you imagine? <laughs> he might Wait, be. so were Rose and Cal in the same room? Wouldn't that have been scandalous? They weren't married. I don't that's a good they're not. Do, do they okay. both have rooms attached to that drawing room? Maybe. But even that feels a little scandalous unless the like, mother also has a room attached to it. Or maybe there's a room that has two beds. It's Rose and her mother. Yeah. Because she's be. 17. She's not. Right. Yeah, it's maybe so they weird because they're just like running around the ship. You never see them sleeping. You never see them in their room. <laughs> they show Jack's room when he puts his stuff in. Yes. He like, he introduces himself and they're like, where's Fen? and then you really only see people sleeping when the iceberg hits and when they're getting them that and then when they show that dramatic like cut of how they tell cal put your life jacket on versus how they tell third class passengers put your life jacket on like (laughs) wild yeah Okay, so next episode we're gonna get into the production of the film the release of the film I'm so excited. I can't explain how many notes we have. It is <laughs> insane. Yep. But this movie, this is like the two tapes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's more than two. <laughs> like, yeah, there's way more than two. But we spent a whole episode just on the cast, the crew. I can't wait to talk about the production. Same. I think the production episode will be my favorite just because the production of this film is bonkers. Like, where is this? Where is the miniseries? Like, The Godfather gets the miniseries, and then there's going to be a movie eventually, hopefully, with Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know if that's really happening, but whatever. Yeah. Can we get one about Titanic? Please. You can put Matthew McConaughey in it. I don't care. Matthew McConaughey, please, James Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. So please come back, listen to us talk about. We're going to talk about so much. So the production, the release, the history, history pop culture, the Oscars, the Oscars. obviously, <laughs> Oscar Central, um, and it won 11 Oscars. Wild. What is that? What is that? Wild. Will never happen again. Um, but yeah, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on... Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Nicole Ackman 16. I've got link trees and all of those places to places that I have my work. Uh, you can find me over on the Awards Watch podcast and writing over there, Next Best Picture. Uh, and we also have recently launched a new podcast on the Music City Drive-In Network, which is called The Barbie Breakdown, where Jacob and our friend Lexi and I are helping everybody prep so that we're all super ready and educated about all things Barbie Cinematic Universe by the time Greta Gerwig's Barbie comes out. 
I'm so excited. I love the first episode. I cannot wait for you to come guest on it. <laughs> I'm so excited. I I feel like maybe we can be obsessed over Barbie the way we've obsessed over Titanic for 25 yes. years. Like that's I my like. I feel like that's the next movie. Like the yeah. next. Hopefully, hopefully. I just like don't want to see any more news about it. I just want to wait for like a teaser trailer. Yep. No. Yeah. Um, I'm not exciting like Nicole. You can just follow me at Ken's Venunu and then follow Oscars underscore central. Um, But that's it. Um, Please, if you have any questions or fun facts about Titanic, send them to us. Please do. (laughs) Welcome. Any criticism, not of the movie, of our notes. Um, I'm just kidding. You can dislike the movie, Ryan McQuaid, Ryan McQuaid. Um, Yeah. So we are so excited to keep talking about Titanic. So I hope everyone has had fun listening to us.